This is The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM and 1400. The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Tank Spencer. He's Jeremy Green. First hour of the program, as always, brought to you by Ingalls. Low prices. Love the savings. Check them out at Ingalls-Markets.com. We got coronavirus in the news continually. Uh, Urban Meyer keeps talking. He can't stop. He can't. He just can't stop he doing can't. it. He can't. He's the worst football coach in the history of the NFL to get this much talk time on any sports show, namely a sports show that's not in his area. He's awful. I can't stand him. He needs to he needs to just go away. Especially when you A have not played a game yet. B not one bit of it has been positive. Right. <laughs> None of it's been positive for Urban Meyer down in Jacksonville. Jacksonville is uh, is going to get a visit from two teams, though. We found out that uh, that's where they're going to going to move the New Orleans Packers game. Yeah, because that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, I mean, traffic around that stadium is not a headache. You know, it's, it's a great stadium, just <laughs> phenomenal. It'll be the 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 only opportunity that or the limited one of the limited opportunities for fans in Jacksonville to see winning football teams this year. So there is that. It'll probably be the highest selling game in Jacksonville this year. It could be. It, it very well it, could be. It very. Well I don't could think be. it will be, but it could be. <laughs> no, I think they're going to show up for that Texans game. They got a chance to win the Texans game, so I think that might that might be the uh, the high water mark. You got. I mean, you got to ask yourself. In the New Orleans Saints, Green Bay Packers. I mean, they're not teams that they don't travel well. I said that wrong. They do travel well. Fans will show up for those games. Just you know, I don't know if you're going to get a whole lot on a you know a week's notice. I, I didn't love the selection of going to Jacksonville, but the game's still happening. That's all I really care about. Yep. It's going to be very bizarre to watch those two teams play in Jacksonville. It's like the world's largest cocktail party. Uh, Florida and Georgia in Jacksonville. I still, I, I know it's a historic thing that they've met there every year since like 1950 or something, but it still baffles me why they do that. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But anyway, Bill Belichick, of course, he's being called a liar by folks in the media today. And And he's not. We said it yesterday. He's not. If you want to find a reason. Here's what I've learned about people in the media. If you want a reason to push your narrative, you can make one up. Yep. I got into this argument earlier. Because if you remember earlier in the offseason, Cam Newton said, I'm one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Wasn't true then. It's not true now. I literally listed off 32 NFL quarterbacks at somebody. The only objection they had, and this was somebody defending Cam Newton, the only objection they had was Daniel Jones. Oh, okay, he's 10 years younger than Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this it's mind-boggling to me how this is so hard for people to wrap their heads around. And the Dallas Cowboys have signed a quarterback. We'll tell you who that is coming up uh, later on in the program. Jeremy will have his pick of the night 
in the big showdown in college football between the Blazers and the Gamecocks. Secret time, I absolutely love this pick. I deep dove this game. Started 5-0, and fully plan on being 6-0 and going into tomorrow. I'm even throwing an over-under at you today. Man, I love betting on things. 7.30 tonight on ESPN, UAB takes on Jacksonville State. And we know you're just chomping at the bit for any kind of college football. And I'll be honest with you, I'm going to flip it on for a little while. We have a treat for you on Friday on our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash the sportsocracy. It, it involves me. And I'm in a costume, and I'm betting college football games, giving you picks that you can bet on. Second hour of the program today, we are going to continue with our college predictions, conference by conference. Today, we will uh, break down and analyze the Big 12, the little time that it has left on this planet. But the Big 12, nonetheless, coming up in the second hour of the program Today, here in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Hit us up on social media at Sports Tank ESPN, at Jay Green ESPN on Twitter. And as we were talking about this morning in the Sportsocracy, check us out at thesportsocracy.com. We're on YouTube every weekday morning at 10 a.m. If you haven't checked us out yet, we did some cool stuff that we raised over $400 for charity this morning. We did. Uh, and all of it from the Wicked Weed Studio. Now, uh, you can get in on the action as well. Competition for a cause. We are coming up on the deadline of when we have to start doing these drafts. If you haven't heard about what this is, it is Best Ball Fantasy Leagues. We have three different tiers that you can get involved in. $20, $50, and $100 buy-ins for the league. There will be prizes for the winners um, at the end of the season. And all the proceeds will be going to Eblin Charities St. Nicholas Project. 3,000 kids in Buncombe County were helped out last year to have a better Christmas by the Eblin Charity St. Nicholas Project. We are happy to be hooked up with them. Ingles, Wicked Weed, and EXP. Realty, Clarissa Marshall. Check her out at ClarissaSellsWNC.com to bring you the competition for a cause contest. And uh, you can get you can get involved. We've got all the links up on our YouTube channel. Uh, you can I'm check- sharing it on Twitter right now. Yep. I want to see the ESPN radio show beat our morning show. We raised over $400 for charity this morning, which is tremendous. Yes, if we is. do that every day for the next three weeks, we are going to do a lot of good. You can play in one league. You can play in as many leagues as you want to. Michael um, Whiteside signed up for yep. all three leagues this morning. Yep, the $20, $50, and $100 levels. He got the first hat trick of competition for a cause. Uh, we, and we're going to do some, something special for him. We absolutely. called it the Golden Sombrero. Absolutely. I, I don't know what. That will be, but we're going to do something. You pull off the hat trick as well. You will get a special uh, gift from us to you, the Sportsocracy. Competition for a cause. Again, presented to you by not only the Sportsocracy, but Ingalls Supermarkets, Wicked Weed Brewing, and EXP Realty. And, uh, yeah. I just shared today. it. I just shared everything on my Twitter at Jay Green ESPN and short, shared it on the Sportsocracy's Twitter at the Sportsocracy. Follow there you them go. both for all the latest and get involved with competition for a cause. That's right. Click on the links and join in the fun. Best ball leagues competition for a cause. Now let's let's talk about this coronavirus thing. Uh, first off, let's let's start with Urban Meyer 
Because Urban Meyer said yesterday, uh, a reporter asked him, "Was the you know was the fact that uh, players may or may not may have may not have been vaccinated a decision or one of the one of the factors in the decisions that you made on cut day?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. All things are all things are considered. Well, here's the problem." The NFL and the NFLPA both agreed that you can't make roster decisions based on vaccination status. And now there is an investigation from the league and the NFLPA into the uh, decision-making processes of the college coach who thinks he can take over an NFL team. Here's my thing. You can't do that. If you have already agreed, you, you, you can't make the decisions based on that. Now... Do I think Urban Meyer is wrong? No, I don't think Urban Meyer is wrong. I do in the way that it keeps being broached. Okay, like the Cam Newton thing—he got cut because he—that's not true. If he was one of the, if he was the best quarterback for them to win, he'd be on the team. Yes, I heard uh, Colin Cowherd or somebody say something about Minnesota so upset with Kirk Cousins they would move on if they could get out from underneath the contract. Stop talking. No, they that's wouldn't. not true. I, and I'm not going to say you made it up. I'm just going to say you're completely naive. Kirk Cousins is one of the 20, 20 best quarterbacks in the NFL. Indeed. Non debatable. Mm-hmm. They're not moving on to him for Kellen Mond because he doesn't have the COVID vaccine. That's moronic. I mean, you can believe it all you want to. It just doesn't make any sense. Right. Now, do I think that the practice squad level players, did they make decisions on that? Probably. Mm-hmm. That probably didn't hurt anything. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you that's why a guy didn't or did make the roster. Here's what I can tell you. When you've agreed with the NFLPA that you're not going to make decisions that way, it is absolutely asinine to come out and say that out loud. Mm-hmm. And it's just more proof positive of what or we've been saying about Urban Meyer. You can't stop. Just for whatever reason, you can't stop doing it. And now you're here. Now you're being investigated by the league and... I don't know what that would cost them, but it would be ugly. Draft picks. It, well, I mean, it's going to be draft picks. And it's going to be money. Mm-hmm. And then you have, and it's the dichotomy of a winning coach, a, a winning pro football coach, and Urban Meyer. Uh-huh. Because Bill Belichick was asked this morning if that had something to do with him cutting Cam Newton. Guess what his answer was? No. Nope. No, it did not. No, and he even went farther than that and said, "Look, um, this thing's not settled." And there are people that have vaccinations. There are players that have been vaccinated that are still testing positive for the coronavirus. Oh, yeah. He got drugged for that on Twitter. And I'm sure he did. All the blue check marks getting all crazy and up in arms like, oh, my God, here he goes with the misinformation. No, it's it's true. It's absolutely true. Everything he said is absolutely true. There are people who are vaccinated who are getting the coronavirus. And there are more uh, stringent protocols that have to be followed with the unvaccinated players. It makes a difference. I don't think Urban Meyer was wrong for saying what he said. He was certainly wrong for saying it. He's certainly wrong for saying what he said, but he's not wrong for uh, making that part of his decision-making process. Now, Jacksonville has had to walk this back, and they have said no players were cut because of their vaccination status. It didn't happen. Um, there have been, you know, they have already done a review of the roster and have determined that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be um, one of the five most unvaccinated teams in all of the NFL this year. 
Not really sure how you made that determination, seeing as how a lot of guys have been cagey about whether or not they've gotten it or not. But I, when it comes to those lower-level guys, absolutely I would take that into account. Would I ever say it? Absolutely not, because here we're finding out in Jacksonville, you're going to be investigated, mm-hmm. and you're going to be punished if they can determine that that is how you made your decisions. Well, we pride ourselves on the show of not talking about political things, but mm-hmm. this is the biggest story of the day. Right. And guess what? It just got bigger. Oh, gosh. Because there's breaking news. This does not have anything to do with the NFL. Who's going to break the news? 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 It's a Shams bomb. No. This is from at Sham Sharania. Unvaccinated NBA players in markets with local requirements, such as New York City with the Knicks and the Nets and San Francisco with the Warriors, will not be allowed to enter home arenas or facilities for games or team activities conducted there unless there's an approved medical or religious exemption. Mm -hmm. Here's what that means. If you're not vaccinated, you can't play at home. If you're on the Knicks roster and you're not vaccinated, they won't let you in the building. Unless... Unless you have the note that says, I am free of vaccinations because of my religious beliefs or whatever. Mm-hmm. I have no qualms with this. I never have. I have never had a problem with people not wanting to be vaccinated. I mean, look, I, I, I'm a parent of a kid in schools. And you know what? My kids are vaccinated, and that's my choice to make as a parent. It's your choice to make as a parent for your kids. I'm going to protect my kids any way I can. You don't have to. If you don't want to, I will give you every exemption in the world. I don't care. Well, and Make the, up the fact that you're Buddhist or something. I don't care. Everybody exactly, gets a choice. That's not exactly how that works. But mm. that, that's not even where I'm headed with that. Mm-hmm. The reason that I'm saying this is the NBA has just kicked in the first thing that is basically going to mandate that you're, that you're vaccinated in pro sports. The reason that's important to me, I'm going to level with you. I don't care what players are vaccinated and or not. Mm-hmm. It has absolutely no effect on me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. However, it does have an effect on the games. It does have an effect on the sport. And for me, that's one step closer to we're not going to have to talk about this anymore. And that's a day that I'm personally very <laughs> excited about. Absolutely. The, the law has been laid down. Because it's rather irritating to me at this point that mm-hmm. we're, oh, literally the season starts eight days from now, and this is what we're still talking about. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a choice. We have literally ignored this issue all off season long. Now we're eight days out, and it's the biggest story. Mm-hmm. Because you have one of the newest big topic head coaches and the Hall of Famer that have both said something today that it's the biggest story out there. Yeah, You have a choice. We can stick our fingers in our ears and act like it's not happening all we want to, but at the end of the day, this is the story of the day. Exactly. And it it would matter to me. It would matter to me as a head coach if I'm making those lower-level roster decisions. The, the, the one thing that I will say about Cam Newton, though, if Cam Newton were good enough, it would not have mattered. That's what everybody wants to glean over in this whole thing. Even if you believe... That Bill Belichick is lying to everybody and saying, no, that it had nothing to do with it. 
that's you're well within your rights to have that opinion. I don't believe it, but you can believe that if you want to. The bottom line here is Cam Newton not good enough to be on the New England Patriots, regardless. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: I want you to, and, and I want you to think about this as we go into a break. And I'm going to keep using the Kirk Cousins thing because that's been the the name that keeps being bandied about with yes. the vaccinated and all those things. Yeah. If Minnesota just tapped on that contract right now, how many teams would have chased Kirk Cousins? I can think of six off the top of my head. Sure. Easily. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton's been a free agent for a whole day. You heard him link to one team that wasn't pure speculation? Nope. The Dallas Cowboys would have, quote, some interest. Yeah, they would do their okay. due diligence. Well, here's the thing. They already went and claimed a quarterback. Yep. They already have a backup anyway. It ain't going to be Dallas. And I told you that yesterday. Mm-hmm. 31 teams in the NFL, and I don't include New, include New England because they're the team that let him go. 31 teams in the NFL have looked at this guy and gone, no, we're good. No, we're good. Multitudes of quarterbacks getting opportunities and practice squads and all these things. And I understand Cam Newton's not a practice squad guy. I get that. I'm well aware of that. 31 teams in the NFL look at him and go, nope. Rather not. Mm-hmm. It's too much to flip your uh, season plan upside down seven days before the season starts. I guess it's eight days now. Oh, we got eight football. Days. Eight days Thursday. until tanks. Fire those cannons. By golly, Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose to the Dallas Cowboys. Eh, wrong. You're in the sports tank with Jeremy Green here on ESPN Asheville. Pernicious. Adjective. Having a harmful effect, especially in a gradual or subtle way. Now, Wicked Weed's flagship IPA, winner of a silver medal at the U.S. Open Beer Championships, isn't harmful unless you're a competing IPA. Brewed in the mountains of western North Carolina, Pernicious IPA will destroy your expectations for all others in its class. Pernicious IPA inspires you to enjoy fresh and often. Order up at WickedWeedBrewing.com. Wicked Weed, the official craft beer of East Tennessee State University Athletic. Drink different, drink responsibly. I do my head toss, check my nails. This is G. Duggeroff, voice of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the sports tank. Fire them cannons. By golly, put more powder in those things. It's ESPN, Asheville, Tank Spencer, and Jeremy Green. We are a week and a day away from the kickoff of the NFL season. Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday night football. Bucks getting unveiling that banner down at Raymond James Stadium. Going to be a lot of lot of bravado going on for that game, and it's going to be a it'll be a great start tonight and a bad end for you as mm-hmm. you take your first loss of Stop the NFL that. season. Stop that! <laughs> oh, if I'm right and you do lose, uh huh, you should take Friday off. Uh huh. You think they turn that defense around that that much in a in one off season? Oh, that defense is going to be markedly better. Oh, I know. I don't disagree with you. I got I'm news for you. That, when you're yeah. struggling to get Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch on the field, mm-hmm. you're gonna be better. Oh, that linebacking core is going to be incredible for years to come. There ain't no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, first game back, Dak back, facing the pressure of the Tampa Bay defense. I'm here for it. We're going to see what Dak Prescott's made of on night one of the NFL season. If they could have had that any other way, I guarantee you they would have not wanted to open up the season against that pass rush. Anyhow, um, Bill Belichick taking a lot of heat today uh, after he said, no, that 
Cam Newton's vaccination status had nothing to do with the decision that was made to start Mac Jones and to release Cam Newton. I still feel like I still feel like uh, that that Cam doesn't want to be a backup in this league. I think he would be much better served. His mental state would be much better served if he just focuses on other things. Stay in shape, dude. Stay in shape. Somebody's going to need a quarterback at some point, and they may call you. Somebody may get desperate midway through the season. Philadelphia, something happens to Jalen Hurts. You think they're going to turn to Joe Falco? Joe Falcon, another oh, one Gardner Minshew. Minshew. No, old Mustachio. I got a feeling if something were to happen in several places, uh, you know, around the NFL, somebody might call Cam Newton. I've seen a lot of articles talking about the, is this the end of Cam Newton's career? You know what? It very well could be. If he spends, I, I think the, it is. If he spends the entire year on the shelf, n- n- nobody's uh, you know really going to give him a look next year. I wouldn't think. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I have been wrong before. It could be the end. But you know what? I still think he's got some gas in the tank. And there could be a bad team out there or, you know, he's not he's not ever going to be a guy that any that a winner goes to seek out. This thing, why would you want to keep him on the staff or why would you want to add him to your locker room a week before the season starts? He's got to learn a whole brand new system. You're going to shake up whatever confidence there was in the quarterback room. It's it, it's just not a good call. He was listening to Adam Gold earlier today, and he was talking about Cam Newton and, oh, it doesn't make any sense. You know, Mac Jones already beat him out for the job. Why would he be afraid of Cam Newton looking over his shoulder? It's not about their relationship. It's not about Cam Newton and Mac and Cheese. It's about the fans. It's about the the media pressure that is going to come if Mac Jones stumbles. This way, nobody's going to be screaming for Jarrett Stidham to come in if Mac Jones throws a couple of INTs. Nope. That will happen, though, if Cam Newton's still on the team. Oh, and if you want to see exactly why I've been screaming about this for six months, just sit back and watch Chicago. Yep. Just, I mean, just, I'm telling you, this is set up to be one of the great disasters that you have ever seen. Mm-hmm. Because you have walked yourself into this. And you know why? Because you didn't do what I said in the offseason. There are just certain times that teams do things where it's very obvious that you don't have a plan. There are a lot of teams in the NFL that are bad. I mean bad, but bad, bad, bad. But you at least have a plan. Yeah. The Detroit Lions have a plan. You're going to win three games. You should still walk away from this season going, we're, we're in better shape than we were 12 months ago. Right. I don't care that you won less games. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You have a plan. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville, you have no plan. No. Philadelphia Eagles, you have no plan. Now Philadelphia has draft. You got three ones next year. If mm-hmm. Carson Wentz plays in Indianapolis, which I think it's funny, eight days away from the season, we still don't know. <laughs> but you, ha- there's a plan in place. Things are working in that direction. Yes. There are very few teams I look at and go, you have no plan. Mm-hmm. That's the worst place you can be. You think the Chicago Bears fall into that category? Yes. Of not having a plan. Because you have half the organization going one way and half the organization going the other. Makes no sense. I think everybody's headed in the same direction. It's just to start Except out the, head the season. Coach. What I'm saying is that to start out the season, there's different philosophies on how that should go. There's a big portion of the organization and the fan base that believes that, uh, that Justin Fields should be thrown to the wolves, so to speak. Week one, throw him out there. That's what I would do if I were leading that team. However, Matt Nagy... And, you know, some of his faithful have different plans. Let's start out with the veteran, see how he does. 
and let's slowly bring Justin Fields into the fold. And if it gets really dicey with Andrew Dalton, it's not going to be long before Justin Fields gets that call. I agree. I, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. The bad thing is, Matt Nagy, ha- somebody has to be the fall guy. Yeah. Andrew Dalton is not good enough of a fall guy. I think Ryan Pace gets the, the fall guy. I, I think role. they both do. Okay. Firing the GM in the middle of the season doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. It changes absolutely nothing. Matt Nagy's going to be the sacrificial right. lamb there. Who made the call on Andrew Dalton? That's what I want to know. Well, and here's the, the, well, here's the thing, and I, I hate how people say that. Okay, Andy Dalton was the best solution for them at quarterback at the time. They mm-hmm. did not know Justin Fields was going to fall to 11. Mm-hmm. Now, people that were in the know, we, we had a pretty good idea. Mm-hmm. But even the day of the draft, there was part of me going, I could still see a team making a move for Fields, and Chicago wasn't going to do that. Yeah, They were not going to pay the, the, the price to get into the top 10. When he fell to 11... Philadelphia's there. We do what we got to do. Yep. I, I can't. I can't really hate on Chicago for that. I can hate on the fact that you put yourself in a position to do this. Mm-hmm. It's the same way I feel about the New York Giants. The Giants are a comical team to me mm-hmm. because I think you have the right coach. In spite of all of the camp things, I I think pretty highly of Joe Judge. Mm-hmm. I don't think very highly at all of Dave Gettleman. And I look at the team that you've put around him, and you're just wasting time. There's about a quarter of the league in the NFL that I look at going into this year, and you're solely just wasting time. After just a bit outside, I'll tell you who those teams are. The Sports Tag. Just a bit outside. All right, here's the 411, folks. All right, we got a brand new coach in college football around our area. It's not a team that we cover a whole lot, except for when it comes to basketball season. They're a member of the Big South in basketball, but they're a member of the Pioneer Football League when it comes to college football. Which, be frank with you, I didn't even know what the Pioneer Football League was before I read this article. However, they have a. Uh, a coach who does things a little bit differently. Uh, coming in to coach the Presbyterian College Blue Hose this year. His name is uh, Kevin Kelly. Kevin Kelly is a new name to me. Jeremy, you are familiar with this guy, but he is known uh, in football circles as the guy who never punts. Fourth down, he's going for it every time. He's He, he led... Um, a high school in Kansas? Is that right? Can- was it he, a Kansas high school? No, he was in Louisiana or Mississippi. It was one of the southern states. I, I lost the name of the high school here that he was at. Anyway, he was there for uh, 18 years. Ended up winning nine state titles with this this mantra of, we're just never going to punt. And I call him the, you know, the Jeremy Green head coach of college football now. <laughs> because that's Jeremy's strategy. When he's playing video games, and he, I've heard him say this over and over and over again about actual, you know, big boy programs in college football. Why would you do it? Why would you punt? Just keep going on it, going for it on fourth down. I'm not a proponent of the punt. There's about 40 yards of field where I go, yep, makes sense there. Mm-hmm. Then there's about 40 yards of field where I go, no, uh-uh. it doesn't make all that much sense. 
I'm also not a big proponent of kickers, so, you know, it all just kind of plays into the same thing. <laughs> Coach Kelly's Pulaski team went 13-0 and his last season there. Scored 50.8 points per game. And very rarely ever punted. They punted 21 times in 13 games. There may be a merit to it, and now it's going to make its college debut this week when Presbyterian takes on St. Andrews on September the 4th. My story is really just the sadness of my own team. Oh, the New York Jets? My New York Jets. Yeah. Because they are doing, they're going into a season with something that I have literally never seen before. In a surprise move, the New York Jets released starting cornerback Bless Austin, their most experienced player at the position. Here's why I'm telling this story. There are six corners on this team. The old, the, the most experienced one is 24 years old. Nice. That's less than ideal. Uh-huh. Apparently, they've been trying to trade this guy for a couple weeks. I did not know that. It came as a surprise to all of us in Jet Nation. But there are a few different teams that are doing things like that. I don't think the Chicago Bears have a second corner on their team. Mm-hmm. And it kind of lends me to believe something. It's a philosophy I'm developing on the NFL. I am starting to think that cornerback matters less than any important position in the NFL. Really? Think about how many teams have two really good ones. Mm-hmm. List is real short, isn't it? Yep. Think about how many high-level corners you've seen come into the draft in the last few years. I started noticing this, and I couldn't figure out why. In the last three years, I think I've had four premier corners. Every other corner, I mean, think about it. C.J. Henderson was the second corner taken in, in not this last draft, but the year before. Yep. There were huge problems with his game. Not saying he was bad, he was just very raw. And my philosophy on it is, as these guys are coming up, nobody wants to play corner. Because you get into the NFL, you can't touch anybody. You're going to get burned sideways. And it just plays into further and further. It's a passing league. Mm-hmm. The best athletes are becoming running backs, wide receivers, and in large part, quarterbacks. And the, cor- the, the shutdown corner is kind of becoming a dying art form. Mm-hmm. I mean, really think about it. We're doing a top 100 in the, in the sportsocracy because the NFL's top 100 made my, I literally had to wipe blood out of my ears as I was reading it. <laughs> I think I only had six corners on the entire list. That sounds about right. I think if I, if I did my adding right, I mm-hmm. think I had six. That's a staggeringly low number for how many corners there are in the league. And there are a lot of teams that you just look at their cornerback death chart and just go, yikes. It's all rookies and untested second or third year guys. And my philosophy on that is, why would you pay big money to guys that can't touch anybody? Mm-hmm. Why not do what the Jets are doing or what the Bears are doing? What the Raiders have done. It, sadly enough, John Gruden was ahead of the curve on this. Mike Mayock's been throwing darts at corners for years, and nobody talked about it. And what did he do? Guys like Trayvon Mullen that he took that, that he actually used draft capital on, mm-hmm. and, and Gary on Conley. They looked at them, took a year, and went, "You're not it." And out you go. And we're going to do it with another guy. And this is seemingly happening in the NFL more and more and more. Mm-hmm. This is a theory I'm working on. At some point, I'm going to really deep dive down the rabbit hole on this. And I think it's going to make my head hurt. More than likely. I did my top 50 for the upcoming draft. Mm-hmm. There's two corners in my top 50. Two. And w- now one of them is 
probably the highest rated corner I've ever had. Derek Stingley? Yeah. yeah. If he's not, he's two. And I can't remember one that I had graded higher than him. But other than that, it's just a bunch of dudes. Now, when the when the league when the, when the year comes to an end and I really put out a top hundred, there might be more than that. Mm-hmm. This is a dying art form. Yeah, and I you know it, it's because it's it's because of the restrictions that are on the position. You can't be physical, and seems like every team. Either they have one now, or they're going to have one in a couple of years through the draft of a guy who's like a DK Metcalf, an AJ Brown. I mean, just burners that you need to get physical with, and you can't because the league tries to put that out of the game. Because and, it, and it's one hundred percent because of the spread. Yeah, because people because it see, neutralizes the position. People want to see points. Well, it's not even that. The spread offense has neutralized the shutdown corner. You have three or four wide receivers on the field at all times. Okay, so you got that one shutdown guy. You're using one of your best. And think back to high school. Mm -hmm. You're using one of your best athletes at corner. Okay, I can just throw away from him. I have three other targets on the field that that guy has absolutely nothing to do with. Why would I not have that guy playing linebacker, have that guy playing safety where he can blitz and do all kinds of other things to impact the game? Mm -hmm. That shutdown corner's kind of going away. I got on one hand. I mean, I'm looking at every cornerback depth chart in the league. We think the Pittsburgh Steelers, their defense is pretty good, right? Yeah. Name the second corner on that team. I'll wait. Can't. It's Cameron Sutton. There you go. They're, the Steelers are one of those teams that I just look at and go, man, you've drafted a lot of guys I like. And they've done nothing. The perennial playoff team? No, no, no. I'm talking about the depth guys. Oh, guys the like depth Justin guys. Lane, oh. who I was just. Over the moon on. <laughs> All right. It's just a really weird little anomaly thing in the yeah. NFL that it, it's happened and I didn't even really notice it. Mm -hmm. There are a ton of guys that are going to be starters in the NFL that are just not. Like, I mean, you're fine. You're an NFL caliber player. Right. But the fact that you're a starter is mind boggling. And you've got a few GMs that are making it very clear that they're steering into that. Yeah. On the NFL's top 100 list that we had to reduce sportsocracy style, if you're interested in checking that out, it's on YouTube. Uh, all of our last four episodes have been breaking down the sportsocracy top 100. But they, there were nine corners on the top 100 in the NFL. Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, Marlon Humphrey, Jair Alexander, Stephon Gilmore, J.C. Jackson, uh, James Bradbury, Marshawn Lattimore, and Tredavious White. I, I had all nine of those, so I had nine. Yeah, I was going to say, I think all of them were on your list, except maybe J.C. Jackson, but was he on the list? He was on the list, but he was really low. Okay. So, yeah. Cornerback, dying art form. That it is. All right, now, what were we talking about? What were the, <laughs> what were the, what were the teams that you were going to tell us about? That you're just in neutral. You're not, oh, yeah. you're not bad. You just don't have a plan. And now the Houston, this should be called the Houston Texans Award. Because they have no plan. I think they're in the reverse category. The Houston Texans are basically like, what would happen if, if you ever had an ant farm? No. Never? I had an alien ant farm CD. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> That's the least surprising thing I think you've ever said to me. I was a, I was always enamored by Ant Farm. You didn't like the the remake of Smooth Criminal? Come no, on, no, I didn't. 
alien ant farm. Stop that. <laughs> I was always enamored by these things because I never could figure out what it was that people, what's the interest? Like, why do you care? Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of, it's a bunch of bugs just doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And, oh, but they've got a queen and they take things back to the, and it's this, no, it's a bunch of bugs just running around. That's what I see when I see the Houston Texans. Okay. But I feel the same way about the Chicago Bears. I feel the same way about the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. I'll tell you one that's... I can't... Okay, let me ask you. I, I want to see your answer on this. Okay. Is there a team in the NFL that you have changed your opinion on more more times in the offseason than I have the Minnesota Vikings? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, you should have changed it once, realizing that you were wrong and that I've been right for months. <laughs> Well, first I was like, it won't be so bad. And then I was like, oh, well, Ben's too old. And then I thought, oh, well, that defense is really good. And I was like, ah, Najee Harris, I don't know if he's going to be good because his offensive line sucks. And then I was like, oh, no, he's going to be good anyway. Yeah, I think it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've waffled on them enough, and I'm settling on, yeah, yeah that's a, that's going to be a pretty damn good team this yeah, year. The Minnesota Vikings are mine. Yeah. I have flip-flopped on them so many times that I could be making pancakes. <laughs> But they're just another one of these listless franchises that, okay, what's your best case scenario? Best case scenario for Minnesota is what, 10 and 7? Yeah. Your worst case scenario is what, 7 and 10? Yeah. That's the definition of hopeless. Mm hmm. That is the definition of hopeless. Right. Do, do your absolute best and you might squeak into the playoffs. Do your absolute worst and guess what? You're not getting a high draft pick. And get absolutely just demolished in the playoffs. Mm hmm. And that's. That's the definition of where I don't want to be in the NFL. Right. I feel the same way about New England. I look at New England and go, all right, so you figured this out with Mac Jones. We really like Mac Jones. Do you ever think you're going to be a Super Bowl contender this way? I think they do. I don't. Oh, I'm sure you don't, but I, I don't. think they think they are. I They're, think they, they can be. be a good team for a long time. Mm-hmm. I just think the chances that you have struck this Brady chord two times in, what, 22 years, mm-hmm. is highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. The game manager quarterback that just, he never wins games for you, but he never beats you. And that's what Brady started out as. And then, obviously, he evolved into the greatest quarterback of all time. Right. Nobody has misgivings of that with Mac Jones. I've heard more Brady comparisons than I care to mention. But I just don't know how good you could ever think you're going to, going to be. He's looked good, and trust me, I've been... All in on that should be the starter from mm-hmm. the first time I saw him in minicamp. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how good you think that's going to be. That defense is good. I don't think it's great. You don't have an elite pass rusher on that team. No. You have a bunch of dudes. That's There's The been- combination of parts is probably going to make you a top 10 or 12 defense in the league. Yes. And I think you'll be able to run the ball reasonably well. Mm-hmm. And I think you have... Some weapons. <laughs> Not good ones, but well, you, you got, have some weapons. I mean, you got two tight ends for the rookie to lean on. Yeah, yeah if either one of them can stay healthy. This is true. This is very true. I think there are pieces there that New England can be a team that threatens for a playoff spot at the end of the year. And as Mac Jones continues to develop, I think eventually with a couple of couple of more you know good moves, they could be a team that contends in a couple of years. It's not going to be right away. But I don't I think know they that have a, I think they I, have a direction. You have a four-year window. Yeah. 
until you have to pay Mac Jones, mm-hmm. you have a four-year window. Mm-hmm. And there's a team in the NFL that I swear to you, New England should be looking at going, that's us in a mirror wearing much uglier uniforms. The Minnesota Vikings? The Cleveland Browns. Oh, the Cleveland Browns. That's exactly... They are the high watermark of what Cle- of what New England can be. So you're saying Super Bowl contenders? <laughs> no. No, I'm not. <laughs> I've never wanted a team that I care so little about to be so bad. Uh-huh. Oh, that's a lot, Tampa Bay. I've wanted that for... A, I've wanted, I want that about as much as I want to breathe clean air. Uh-huh. You just want that because you, you love seeing me sad. Fact. You're such a jerk. Hmm. Appreciate that. It's the nicest can, way that's ever been said to me. So you know, uh, th- there's one team on your list that I that I do disagree with, and I th- and I think it's the Chicago Bears. I think I do blame Ryan Pace for for the Andrew Dalton thing because what happened? You it was out there that you could possibly be going after Russell Wilson. You remember when we talked about that for three weeks ad nauseum that they oh Russell Wilson said he would come to Chicago and that didn't happen and then there were rumblings about Matt Stafford and that didn't happen. And then when Matt Stafford went to the LA Rams, what did the Chicago Bears do? They panicked. They panicked and immediately signed Andy Dalton to a 10 or to a 1-year 10 million dollar deal to come be their quarterback because it was the only choice they had at the point at that point they had already lost Mitch Trubisky for two and a half million dollars to the Buffalo Bills which I still think was one of the best signings of the offseason it was and then but they panicked they panicked and and gave Andrew Dalton too much money rather than waiting to see what happens and I get that's not where you want to be you don't want to have that big question mark hanging over your head but they didn't, like you said, they didn't think that they would have the chance to get Mac Jones or Justin Fields in the draft. And then the opportunity presented itself, and they went after Justin Fields. Now I feel like they do have a direction. They know what direction they're going in. It's just how fast they start implementing the path to that. Which I think is only going to take three weeks at most before they realize Andrew Dalton, not that good. And we're going to have to turn it over to the rookie. And Justin Fields will have his growing pains, but I still think he's going to be really good for a rookie quarterback. Hopefully he doesn't get himself killed. You know what's not going to get you killed? What's that? I have a betting pick for you. And for two teams that I practically promise you nobody listening to this show could tell you one player on these two teams. Nope. I feel... So good about this pick on both sides. Could you even name historic players from these schools? Yes, I could. Not from Jacksonville State. Okay, I was I getting can, ready to say. I, I know at least one UAB player, and that's it. Uh, Brian Thomas. That's no, the that, first one off the top of my that head. That wasn't the one I was thinking of. He was a pass rusher for the Jets. He's their only first-rounder. Him and Roddy White. Roddy White was mine. That's their two first-rounders ever. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. However, I, I mean, I can tell you the Jacksonville State players that I yelled uh obscenities at Florida State players over when they almost beat us a year ago. All right. And some of those guys are still on this team. UAB Jacksonville State. That's the game tonight in college football. we got a green on green coming up next here on ESPN Asheville.
Rogue Combat Club, Asheville's home for comprehensive martial arts training, has a goal for our community. One that's stronger, more fit, and unwavers in its support of one another. Rogue Combat Club's instructors have competed at the highest levels and offer classes for everyone from young children to adults in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Muay Thai, and wrestling. Rogue Combat Club classes can help you boost your self-confidence and self-defense skills while weeding out the egos and intimidation found at other gyms. Join today at RogueCombatClub.com. Coffee's the closers only. Get them the money. Then when you get the money, you get the power. That watch costs more than your car. Then when you get the power, then you get the money. Welcome back into the Sports Tank ESPN Asheville 92.9, 880, and 1400. This is one of my favorite times of, of, of all times. Because we have five straight days of college, six straight days of six. college football from Wednesday to Monday. Yep. We will have full green on greens every other day this week. And we're working Monday, so we'll have one for Monday night as well. But tonight, we only have one game. It's the UAB Blazers and the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. This uh, line is at 16.5. UAB's a 16.5 point favorite. Over-under is 51.5. I'm really all over the over of this. I hate that it's gone up three points, but I'm all over the over. These are two good offenses. A lot of the handle right now is on Jacksonville State because Jacksonville State played in the spring season. They got into the, the they, they were in the the playoffs and all those things with FCS. At the end of the day, they're still an FCS school. This is the best team Bill Clark has had at UAB, and I got news for you: they haven't been terrible for an extended period of time. The thing that everybody's drawing back on is last year UAB was one and three against the spread when they were laying double digit chalk. This is not one of those times. Stop overthinking this. It's a good Conference USA champion out of the FBS playing a high-level FCS team. 16.5 is a lot. I don't care. I'm taking UAB minus the 16.5. The part that I really like, these are two good defenses, but they're not great. A lot of people are looking at this as these are great defenses. They're not. Jacksonville State's a good pass defense. Here's the thing. UAB runs the ball obnoxiously well. Bigger athletes, high-level D1 athletes, they are going to run through Jacksonville State. Give me UAB minus 16.5 over 51.5. Go and do likewise, gents. Money's out there. You pick it up, it's yours. You don't, I got no sympathy for you. Oh, man, the the New York Mets just can't catch a break. I just saw this come across the wire that uh, the GM, the acting GM for the New York Mets, has been arrested. Arrested on a DUI charge. Zach Scott, White Plains, New York, police captain James Spencer, says that they found Zach Scott sleeping in his car near the city's federal courthouse at 4.17 a.m. on Tuesday. After Scott refused breathalyzer and blood tests, he failed a field sobriety test. Mets releasing a statement say that they're, you know, surprised and deeply disappointed at Zach Scott's arrest for the DUI charge. Um, Here's the kicker of the story. Scott had spent the entire night at a party at Stephen Cohen's house, the owner of the New York Mets. So he got loaded at his boss's house, then decided to drive from the boss's house in Connecticut to White Plains, New York, which is about a 20-minute drive from Stephen Cohen's house. And then I guess it was at that point he decided, I am too drunk to drive. I need to park right here and get some, you know, get some Z's. Uh, The problem is maybe he didn't know that the federal courthouse was right around the corner. 
Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think federal courthouses and the areas immediately around them are usually heavy, heavily patrolled areas. Not a great place for you to sit down and, you know, sleep one off after that. Don't do crimes. Oh, like, be- what? Why? This is so simple. <laughs> the New York Mets, they just, they can't catch a break. He pulled a Darren McFadden. Don't do that. Oh, Darren McFadden. Wasn't he the one that fell asleep in the drive-thru yes. at a McDonald's or yeah, something? And apparently now he's going to do like a year plus in jail. Is he really? Yeah. Wow. I can't remember what state that happened in, but it was a state that they do not take that lightly. And he hit like every box of all of the things you could do wrong. Just don't, right. Uber! Right. It's not that hard! It's a little app. They've made it insanely easy for you. <laughs> right. It's, I'm not blaming you for getting loaded. Frankly, I love Wicked Weed Beers, and I totally understand how you can have one too many. Mm-hmm. Don't drive a car! Nope. That's one thing that you should never do. And if you're one of those people that has two different personas, like <clears throat> maybe I do, that when, <laughs> when beverages are consumed, maybe you're not the same person. Then you look at somebody that's, <laughs> I don't know, bigger than you, and go, here are my keys. Don't give them back to me. And if I try to hit you, hit me back. Second hour of the program is coming up in just mere moments. We're going to hit the Sports Center top of the hour update here. Um, we will be talking about the Big 12. Our college preseason prognostications continue right here in the Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Heard everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Best ball leagues for charity. Get in on it right now. We've got the links out on the Twitter at ESPN. Competition for a cause. Best ball leagues. Three different levels. All proceeds go into Eblen Charities St. Nicholas Project. This is The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. You look at my numbers, I'm I'm balling. Beer City's best sports talk is on the air. Get involved. Call 252-4348. Tweet the show at Sports Tank ESPN. The Sports Tank. Come get you some of this. Can't wait. It's ESPN Asheville, 92.9 FM, 880 AM, and 1400. The Sports Tank with Jeremy Green. Available everywhere you go, live or on demand, on the iHeartRadio app. College football season, it's here. Week zero, things went well on Jeremy Green's uh, picks for last week's games. He went 5-0. and oh. Oh, just wait for what I have for you this week. Oh, tomorrow we got a full slate of games on a Thursday. We got a bunch of games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and one game on Monday night. I've been thinking this whole time that the Florida State-Notre Dame game, it's on Labor Day, but it's not. It's on Sunday. It is on Sunday. It's on Sunday night. The Labor Day game is Louisville and somebody else. I can't remember who it is. Oh, if you hadn't said it, I could have told you. Yeah, Uh, I know Louisville's involved. Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Louisville and Ole Miss on Monday night. So we'll have another college pick for you coming up on Monday. But uh, the cavalcade begins tomorrow with all of the picks on the Thursday night games. And then, of course, Friday and Saturday we'll do double hits of green on green. We might just do a whole hour of green on green. I don't know that my voice can withstand that. (laughs) That's a whole lot of underdogs to be screaming for. Oh, and I've got some goodies for you this week. (laughs) And we cannot wait for it. We roll on here with our college 
football conference previews. We have worked our way now to the Big 12. Oh, by the way, uh, do want to mention, second hour of the program, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Wicked Weed Brewing. Check them out at wickedweedbrewing.com. Wicked Weed Brewing, drink different. We are up to the Big 12 now in the... Uh, Conference-by-conference breakdowns of the college football season. 2021, lots of high hopes in the Big 12. Well, at least for at least for three schools. There are three schools in the, in the Big 12 that have really high hopes this year. I add Texas in there because they always have high hopes. And then there's two teams that are reasonably good. And then it's a poop sandwich. <laughs> and then it's a dumpster fire. After that, so number one in the Big Ten in the Big Twelve, they have ten teams in the Big Twelve, is the Oklahoma Sooners. Correct? Come on, I know you love uh, Iowa State, but you can't have Iowa State ahead of Oklahoma on your on your preseason picks. Here's how close it is: if the game they played was not in Norman, mm-hmm. I would have Iowa State winning this conference. That's how close they are. The tiebreaker is that Iowa State would have to go into Norman and beat them because they're not losing another game in this conference. Mm-hmm. They're just not. I mean, they play Texas and Dallas, but and you can never, you never really know with those rivalry games. And Steve Sarkeesian might be better than I think he is. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to see it in year one. And that game's that's only the sixth game on the schedule. Just a lot of things working against Texas. I don't see Oklahoma losing a game. I don't either. The one caveat of that is Oklahoma likes to get God in games that they're not supposed to. Agreed. And there's one on the schedule that just screams it to me. And it's at Kansas State. Really? It, well, because you got to look at where it is. You got West Virginia the week before, mm-hmm. who's better than you think. Just, mm-hmm. just rest assured, am I biased? A little bit. But they're better than you think they are. And then you got Texas and Dallas the week after. Mm-hmm. I could see that being one of those trap games. I'm not going to tell you Kansas State wins it. The last time I said Kansas State was going to cover against Oklahoma, they beat them. Yeah. And beat them senseless, as yeah. a matter of fact. Yeah. So I, li- I like Kansas State. It's a school I know pretty well. I would think the closest game, or the game that they come closest to losing will probably be at Oklahoma State at the end of the year. I know it'll be Iowa State. That's going to be a game, even though it's in Norman. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Okay, that's how good Iowa State. Iowa State's very; they're very experienced. I'm going to level. I like Brock Purdy as a college quarterback better mm-hmm. than I like Spencer Rattler. I don't know in my lifetime that I have ever seen a quarterback that was more overrated, in my opinion, than Spencer Rattler. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't like the kid; he makes inexplicable decisions sometimes. And what I have seen of him is he is very, very good when he. Talent-wise, the talent around him is so much better than what they're playing. He doesn't have to be accurate. He doesn't have to go through progressions. All he has to do is get the ball in playmakers' hands. Mm -hmm. Do you realize how deep this team is in the receiver, pass-catcher room? Oh, but I do. (laughs) If it's not the best group in the country, the only team that I can think of that would be better would be Ohio State. Yeah. I think Oklahoma's just a little bit better. They're deeper, for sure. I mean, they they have six primary wide receiver targets that are former five- or four-star recruits. 
and they are all going to play big roles this year. Last year was the breakout role for for Marvin Mims. He had nine touchdowns last year. Very, very good route runner. You got Jadon Hazelwood coming back from an ACL. Mario Williams, who is the number one or number two wide receiver in this past uh, high school graduating class. Who probably is not even going to have a role on this team. It's going to be a small role, I can tell you that much. You think so? 100%. There's one reason why. Mike Woods. Mike Woods. (laughs) Oh, Mike Woods. Oh, you mean a guy that went over 1,000 yards in the SEC with nine touchdowns and he just transferred into your program? Yeah. Yeah, I think that guy's going to get some run. Uh, From Arkansas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mike Woods from Arkansas. They got Theo Weiss, who had a little breakout last year. Uh, Jaleel Farouk, who was the number 18 wide receiver in ESPN's rankings of the 2020 class. And then, oh, there's Cody Jackson right behind him, who was in the top 25 of this past recruiting class in wide receivers across the nation. They are absolutely loaded. Spencer Rattler is going to be the next Oklahoma quarterback who puts up just stupid numbers. I get what you're saying about his decision-making. We saw it last year. It was, you know, you had, uh, well, it it was Baker, and then it was Kyler, and then Spencer came in and took over. Last year was the COVID weird year, no offseason, all that kind of stuff. You saw growing pains throughout the year with him making questionable decisions. Sometimes he throws up ducks that I just don't understand. Like, how did you let that ball fly? But he's also in now in his third year, and there's a maturation process that happens. Uh, he is he is the Heisman favorite. I disagree with that. You all know where I stand on the Heisman race. It's Sam Howell or Sam Darnold. Or, God, Sam Howell or nothing. I had it right the first you're, time. You're going to say I, enough Sams in North Carolina that you'll eventually get one. I was. I, I, I'm so used to getting it wrong that I corrected myself when I had it right. But I'm Sam Howell or, or, or nothing else on the on the Heisman race this year. But it's not just that. It's not just the wide receivers. I mean, Kennedy Brooks is coming back, who opted out last year. He was a thousand yard back the year before that. They got Eric Gray transferred in from te- from Tennessee. They they're Oklahoma, so obviously they have one of the greatest offensive lines in the country. It's good. Be careful in calling it great. What I'm saying is, is they always have talent on their offensive line. And here's what I'm telling you: in this system, Creed Humphrey is going to be. A big loss. Okay. Because the center is responsible for the line calls, not the quarterback. Okay. That's one of the weird things about this Lincoln-Riley system. That's going to be a bigger thing than people think. At the end of the day, look at the schedule. Mm-hmm. Who, who are they losing to? Nobody. Tulane, Western Carolina. They've already beaten Nebraska. Like, the game, weirdest game ever. It hadn't even started. Nebraska's already lost. <laughs> There's just not a lot of losable games on this schedule. No. But I do see this being one of those years with Oklahoma that's much like last year. We saw everybody and their brother talked about how Alex Grinch had improved the defense and he should be getting looks as a head coach. Really look at what good teams did to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm being very generous with the word good. Iowa State was good. Texas, not so much. Even mediocre offenses. Scored 35-plus points on them. Mm -hmm. When they come up against a team, Iowa State, that can score with them, they're going to struggle. They have talent. I've always hated this scheme. I hate the fact that you play this wide-open, 
Nobody really defends anybody in the Big 12. And then you get a team like Iowa State that's so disciplined. Mm -hmm. So disciplined. And I could see them get... They're going to beat Iowa State in season. But then... You're going to have to play them again. Yep, in the Big 12 championship game. And I'm not sure you can beat them twice. Mm-hmm. I'm not. The talent is so close. Matt Campbell's one of the most underrated coaches in the country. I'm not sure you're going to beat them twice. Oklahoma on the defensive side of the ball. Um, is Nick Benito the best pass rusher in college football? If he's not, he's close. Mm-hmm. If he's not, he's in the top three. Uh, last year... From his season last year, Pro Football Focus gave him a 93.6 pass rush grade. I, I don't know that I've seen a number that high. And and you got to be careful with Big 12 because it's five linemen. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And you get a guy like that that's going up against some of these big lumbering offensive linemen that it's kind of a staple of the Big 12. And, you, yeah, he was fantastic. Uh-huh. I'm not saying he wasn't. I'm just saying that that grade is so high that it kind of that's like and for those of you that don't understand pro football focus grades that would be like taking a test in college and getting an A plus 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 right like okay we could have stopped at four that's over the top <laughs> right most most grades for impact pass rushers that you see not only at the college level but at the NFL level I mean Low they're, 80s. they're like I was gonna say eighty five eighty six eighty five is fantastic yeah. And this guy had a 93.6 pass rush grade last year from Pro Football Focus. Uh, he's he's an absolute beast. He will be a next-level star. He's a tremendous player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is he anchors the defense. They have other impact players on that defense. But um, it's the Big 12. You're going to have a lot of high scoring in the Big 12. The St. Intermurals! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I meant to. Oh, meant to pull oh don't worry, you're gonna. Oh, no, you're gonna. Yeah, have we'll, we'll play it coming back from the break. Um, all right, number two team in the Big Twelve is Iowa State. It is, and they are nipping on the heels of Oklahoma. And when they turn around to see if anybody's coming with them, it's just this little dot way off in the clearing. That's the number three team in this conference. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy is back. At quarterback, 80 total touchdowns in his three years as the starting quarterback for Oklahoma, or for, for, for Iowa State. 9,000 passing yards. And he has, he has a stable of receivers as well that are pretty darn good. Xavier Hutchinson at wide receiver. And then he's got, he's got two pro-level tight ends. Mm-hmm. Charlie Culler is the number one tight end in college football. Mm-hmm. And Chase Allen is not far behind him. He's going to take over the mantle probably as the best tight end after Charlie Kolar goes into the NFL draft. Yeah, and Chase year. Allen's only like seven foot nine, so mm-hmm. he's massive. What is he, six eight? Uh, yeah. He's a very, very large. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing a lot of people are going, I feel like Iowa State gets that we've never seen you do it. Yep. And so between Brees Hall and Brock Purdy and Charlie Kohler. It doesn't blow you away statistically, and it's in the Big Twelve, so people go, "Oh, it's not that good," because they don't go, they don't gain five hundred yards a week like mm-hmm. Oklahoma does. Mm-hmm. It's just so brutally efficient. This is one of the most efficient teams you'll ever see. They do not beat; the, they will never beat themselves. 
You will have to go out and beat them. And I look at the schedule with Iowa State. They're not going to be challenged but one time before the middle of October. And that's at Kansas State, and I don't think that's going to be all that much of a challenge. Then you breeze through the schedule until you play Texas, which is in Ames. Mm-hmm. And then you have that meeting with Oklahoma. This is an 11 and one team to me. I think there's going to be two 11-1 teams in the, well, 12-1 and ultimately. Oh, because you think they... I think they split. I think they will split them. They will, I do. They will lose to them in the regular season, mm-hmm. but they beat them in the Big 12 championship game. I do. Okay. Brees Hall is you know, he's he's one of the best backs in the country. He's the number one running back in the country. Mm-hmm. He's the number one prospect running back coming into this draft. Any metric that you need, Brees Hall is the best running back in the country. Twenty one touchdowns last year, over fifteen hundred yards rushing. He is the dude. The question is, can their defense do enough to make them eleven and one or twelve and one? I believe so. The defense is the defense is efficient. Mm-hmm. It just had some lapses. The other thing that I've yet to, that neither one of us has mentioned yet, they have the best offensive line in the Big Twelve. I know you'll say Oklahoma. I do not agree with you. Okay, losing Creed Humphrey is a big deal. Mm-hmm. They have three All Big Twelve linemen on this team. It's just fantastic. They open up holes for Brees Hall that I think you could drive a truck through. I'm so in. I'm so in on Iowa State, and I really need them to not let me down. Yeah, you got some future slips on them. I think Iowa was at. Let me pull it. Okay, they I didn't can, pull it for this segment. Uh, they they do have one guy on the defensive side of the ball. Eye popping stat from the defense: uh, Will McDonald, the fourth defensive end. The last sixteen games he has played. He has 15 and a half sacks. That's pretty good. He's averaging dang near a sack every game he steps onto the field. There are stars in Ames, Iowa. The question is, can they get over the hump? Can they take down Oklahoma? Iowa State's future is uh, nine and a half. Mm, Over. (laughs) I think over. Because I agree with you. I don't think, you know, people will want to pump up the, oh, you can throw out the record books with their rivalry against Iowa. They get that one at home in the second week of the season. And an Iowa team that has a lot to make up for from last year. And then, as you said, at Kansas State might be a tough game. Oklahoma State, they're head and shoulders above them. You talk about a team I am down on. Well, they've got a lot to replace. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to Oklahoma State in the next segment, but the, whew, you talk about a team yep. I am egregiously down on. Yep. I can see them taking down Texas. I could very well see them taking down Oklahoma. I am I just put a lot of faith into Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley with his 45-8 and record since he's been at Oklahoma. The big knock on him. Those three losses that he has in the college football playoff. He's gotten there, but he's not been able to get a win. Could this be the year that Oklahoma gets a win in the college football playoff? Not if Iowa State beats him in the the, uh, conference title game at the end of the year. How good can Texas be in the first year of Steve Sarkeesian? We'll talk about it up next right here on ESPN Asheville. It's the big.
It's ESPN Asheville. Big 12 football. Go play intramurals, brother. <laughs> Dan Hawkins. What car lot is he now working at? Oh, my gosh. He's actually still coaching. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. He's at, he's at UC, UC Davis. Davis. Yeah. yeah. He took a seven-year layoff after it's the Big 12. <laughs> it's never good when you're best known for a soundbite. Right. UC Davis. Isn't that where uh, Mark Gottfried went to coach basketball? No, that was U- uh, uh, UC Bakersfield. Aha. Ah. UC Davis. FCS level? Yes. Okay. All right. The the home of former New York Jet legend Ken O'Brien. Oh, really? Where he came from. Hmm? I, <laughs> nobody knows that but Jets fans. Uh, and probably only this Jets fan because that was 40 years ago. Right. I had to ask him the trivia question earlier today. Who was the last Alabama quarterback who started and won a playoff game in the NFL? It was the great... Jet legend, Richard Todd. Richard Todd, the 1982 New York Jets. Last Alabama quarterback to start and win an NFL playoff game. Alabama gave our, gave us two of our three greatest quarterbacks ever and our worst. So there's that. And one highly, highly overrated. Anyhow, we got three starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now from Alabama. Tua Tungavailoa, uh, Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones with the New England Patriots, all on that 2018 National Championship team. It's unbelievable to me. Three starting quarterbacks in the NFL were on the same roster. Anyhow, we're talking Big 12 football. We talked about Oklahoma, Iowa State. Now comes the big question of, you know... How does Texas stack up in the 2021 season? It's the first year of Steve Sarkeesian. He becomes the next great coach in Texas history that's going to try to pull them from the depths of mediocrity. Charlie Strong couldn't do it. Tom Herman couldn't do it. Do you think Steve Sarkeesian can? No. No. No, uh-uh. No, no, I really don't. Uh-uh. And the move to the SEC is only going to make that task more daunting. Do you think Steve Sarkeesian heard they were moving to the SEC and went, oh, no, <laughs> no. Like, now I'll never beat Alabama because Nick never loses to his assistants. I don't want to play Nick. I, I, I tried to get away from Nick. Uh, no, no. I, I, I mean, he might have that. he might have had that thought for a minute, and then he thought, hmm, you know what, actually – being hooked up with the SEC it actually might be the one thing that could boost the brand of Texas football. It's already one of the biggest brands in college football, period. But this could have an impact, I think. I think it puts them, uh, puts them in a better position when it comes to those recruiting battles with SEC teams, especially for kids in their own state. Hmm. I don't know that I agree with that. Longhorn Prime, man. Oh, it's worked out. It's worked out great for the last few years. <laughs> Not since Mac Brown left. Thank God he's in Carolina now. They're also here's the thing that makes me nervous about Texas, and I've said this about several several teams. When you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. Yep. And they're planning on playing the the redshirt freshman Hudson, Hudson card. card. Yep. And they're going to bring in Casey Thompson, and they're going to interchange them, and they're going to revisit after week one. Let me tell you Did something. Did they say they're going to interchange them? Yeah, they said they're both going to play. 
Well, I, no doubt they're both going to play. Who's Texas playing this week? Louisiana. Oh, okay, you think okay. that's? I was oh, about to say you think mind. that's just a rollover okay. and die because it's no, not. It's not a rollover and die. No, it's not. Uh, yeah, they lost this game last year. Yes, and they could very easily lose it again. I agree. I'm not saying that's one of the picks this week, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I got a share of that one in the uh, play action pools, the build your bankroll contest that we're doing that you can get involved in. Jeremy, tweet that one out for us to make sure that we get that out there. You can uh, you can play. It's absolutely free contest. It's just something that we wanted to have a little fun with this year. Play action pools is a, is a website that we've been connected with for a little while now. They finally got uh, everything, all their ducks in a row, and they are ready to release the build your bankroll contest. You sign up absolutely free, and you get 10,000 fantasy dollars to play with over the season. Each week, you wager a thousand, uh, at least a 1,000 of your $10,000. You can bet it all in every week if you want to. I don't highly recommend that. Right, because once you're out, you're out. Now, there is a rebuy that you can do throughout the season. That also goes to charity. That will cost money, and that will go to charity as well. We'll, We're going to lump that uh, those proceeds in with the proceeds from the competition for a cause going to Evelyn Charity's St. Nicholas Project. But uh, the Build Your Bankroll Contest wager against us. I'm going to be participating along with Jeremy, but we're just really focusing on me and you together trying to take down Flostradamus. Oh, and I've got... I have a lot of shares going out this week. I do as well. So <laughs> and 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 that Texas Louisiana game is part of that. Oh, that makes me really want to know which side of that you're on. Don't tell me. I don't. No, want to I'm know. not. Gonna, I'm not going to tell you. I have a feeling we're not on the same side. Mm, you'd be wrong. <laughs> mm, don't know that I would. <laughs> I don't know. I think you might be wrong on that one. Um, yeah. I, I okay. So I thought, of course, for the first week of the season, sure, the other quarterback's going to play. The guy who lost, who just lost his job, Casey Thompson, sure, he's going to play a little bit. But it'll be after they get up by a big margin, and they'll bring him in after Houston Card has, or excuse me, Hudson Card has done his thing. But yeah, they're playing Louis, Louisiana, so that, I mean, that's a really top program there with uh, Billy Napier. Mm-hmm. So and guess what? It's that's not going to be easy. And the game after that at at Arkansas. That's not going to be a walk in the park either. Right. Uh, but Hudson Card, I mean, he was uh, he was one of the top prospects, one of the top dual threat quarterbacks uh, in his incoming class into college football. There's been a lot of hype about Bijan Robinson. It was good. There should be. He's fantastic. Okay. Last year, he had limited opportunities until like the last four games of the season. But when he started getting carries in games, he started killing it. And he's one of the dark horses for the Heisman this year. Yeah, that shouldn't be a thing. How many touches did Bajon Robinson have last year? Oh, it was like 60. No, it was more than that. 70? It was 100. Okay. He had 86 total carries and fifteen. he caught 15 passes. Mm-hmm. The only thing about that is he averaged 8 yards per touch. He did. So, I mean, he's a home run hitter. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that you're constantly going to have to know about. The only thing that scares me is I think teams are going to be able to load up the box mm-hmm. because you have two very inexperienced quarterbacks coming in here. And the fact that you can't – it always makes me nervous when a coach goes all the way through camp and says we're going to watch game one and then we'll figure it out. 
that means nobody has clearly delineated themselves, and that would make me nervous. Mm-hmm. This is not going to be an overnight thing for Texas. I mean, no. they're not bad. I'm not. They're still the third best team in this conference, right? But there's a Iowa State's much closer to Oklahoma than Texas is to Iowa State. Over or under three losses for Texas? Over. You would go over three solid losses. They're going to lose one of these first two games. Whether it's Louisiana or at Arkansas, they are going to lose one of these. They'll lose one that they shouldn't. They're going to get demolished by Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Now I think they're going to get demolished in Ames, Iowa. Yeah, I'll say I'll say over three losses. Over three losses. I think it's I think it's right at three. I think they have the perfect future number. Theirs is eight, and I think they go eight and four. Okay. They have one of the highest percent chances to push their number in all of college football, according to SP+. Plus. All right, so we are in lockstep so far. I think this is the first conference that we're in lockstep on the order of the top three. And now we're not going to be. Oklahoma 1, Iowa State 2, Texas number 3. We will get to the rest of it after we get weird. On the weird scale, there's Vegas, there's Florida, and there's Asheville. Let's get weird, Asheville. All right, this story comes to us from a place I know pretty well. Used to live there, Memphis, Tennessee, and the surrounding area. Um, Horrible story here. Look, again, don't do crimes. This might be one of the worst bad date stories you will ever hear. Woman goes on a date, and uh, her and this guy meet up at a gas station. Five months ago in Sardis, Mississippi. Um, They were going out to dinner. The date took a dangerous turn. When the suspect in the case, who was driving, began doing donuts in the street. And then when police officers saw this, started to pursue them. He fled from the police with his date in the car with him. The woman said that they stopped at a gas station. She got out of the car. He grabbed her by the neck, forced her back into the car at gunpoint, firing off a shot in the air just to, you know, further increase the terror. At some point, there was damage done to his tire, and he blamed her for it and wanted her to pay for the repair. So at gunpoint, he rides to a local ATM, makes her give him her card and her PIN number so he can get the money out to pay for the repairs for the tire. She gave him the wrong number which I think was a very smart move. Then when he figured it out, though, he got violent. Pistol whipped her, and then here's the hook. He robbed her, stole her $2,500 wedding ring off her finger. Don't do crimes. Don't do infidelity either. Just going to throw that one out there. She went on a date and had her wedding ring stolen by the guy she was on a date with. (sighs) Yep, just leaving that one there. Don't do crimes. Don't do crimes. Speaking of doing crimes, 24-year-old Chloe Morozak did crimes. She is a resident of Illinois who apparently was taking a vacation to Hawaii. Well, Hawaii is now under emergency orders with coronavirus protocols, so you have to provide your vaccination card at the airport, Yep. which Miss Morozak happily did. There's only one problem. Officials 
at the Hawaiian airport became a little suspect when they realized that she didn't get the Moderna shot. She got the Moderna shot. M-A-D-E-R-N-A. Moderna is spelled M-O-D-E-R-N-A. Is that the vaccination that you get on Wish? I I suppose. (laughs) Which is apparently also where she got her vaccination card, which was not real. Well, they called in to see if her... She said she had been vaccinated. She's from Illinois, but she said she was vaccinated in Delaware by the National Guard. Hmm. Well, they called Delaware and said our National Guard's not vaccinating people, so that's not true. They went to chase her down at the hotel that she listed on her travel documents. Guess what? That was fake, too. But the problem with Hawaii is when you lie to state officials, all they have to do is put your picture up at the airport and wait for you to try to get off the island. Yeah. It's not like you can sit there and wait on a boat. It's quite a ways away. Right. Well, she showed up at the airport. They arrested her. And now she is in a Honolulu jail awaiting prosecution on a slew of crimes for doing crimes. Mm -hmm. Don't do crimes. Don't do crimes. Not at all. Back to the Big 12 predictions for the 2021 season. We've talked about uh, number one, Oklahoma. Number two, Iowa State. Number three, Texas. Now, Jeremy, who's your four in the Big 12? You're not going to like it. Uh, Probably not. It's West Virginia, isn't it? No. Okay. But you're close. But you're close. Kansas State. Kansas State at four. I have Kansas State at four. All right. I think a lot of people are down on them and shouldn't be. You're going to see what they are Saturday. They play a Stanford team that I've already said on this show that I really like. Well, I shouldn't say really like. I like them much better than a lot of other people do. That's a neutral site game. It's going to basically be a home game for them because Manhattan, Kansas is so close to Arlington Mm -hmm. by comparison. You have to play Nevada, who has a high-level quarterback prospect in Carson Strong. You play just enough in the non-conference to challenge you without much of a risk that you're going to lose. Then you go at Oklahoma State, a team that I do not believe in in any shape, form, or fashion. It's not going to go well in the month of October because you go Oklahoma, Iowa State. Then you get a little Texas Tech, TCU, Kansas, all that sprinkled in there and end up at Texas. I like this team a lot. A lot. Very well coached. Uh, His name just went Chris Kleinsman, the, the head coach at Kansas is a guy that won national titles at North Dakota State. Mm -hmm. This team has improved every year he's been there. The only thing that scares me is that they're not exactly a prodigious offense. No. And by not prodigious, I mean borderline not good. (laughs) Uh, Skylar Thompson is back at quarterback this year. They have a five foot five running back. His name is Deuce Vaughn, and he is. Uh, I want him to be my best friend, and I want to do karate in the garage with him. Um, he is very, very talented. Think, uh, think Darren Sproles mm-hmm. that can run you over. Mm-hmm. That's Deuce Vaughn mm-hmm. because he is electric. Doesn't get a ton of tote because he is five five, one hundred and seventy one pounds. But he's mm-hmm. one of the hundred best players in college football. Yep. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of hope for their one of their incoming transfers, uh, Daniel Imator Bebe. Last year he it's was with Illinois. Name. Yeah, last year he was with Illinois. His brother is now in the NFL. I don't know. Did he survive cut day? He did, did not. Imator Bebe did not survive he did cut not. day. Oh, he's on a, he's on somebody's practice squad, but I can't remember who it is. Right. Uh, but Daniel, he was originally a uh, a commit to USC and went to USC. Then he went to Illinois. Now he's at Kansas State. He's a tight end, and he's a big old boy. 
He is. They, I, I think this offense is going to be better. I just really believe in good coaching. Mm-hmm. And Chris Kleiman is a guy that's a very good coach. Mm-hmm. Kansas State is tied for fourth in my standings. That surprises me. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me I was out of my mind. No, they are tied for fourth, uh, but I do give a smidge to Mike Gundy's squad. This uh, is Oklahoma the one that I State. thought we were going to argue on. Oklahoma State, they are my you know 4A. Kansas State is my 4B. I like Spencer Sanders. I get that the stats don't pop off the page. but Which is weird in an offense where they should. They should. You're right. They should. But uh, the stats don't pop off the page. He does lose a lot from last year. Tylen Wallace is gone. Chuba Hubbard, obviously, is now with the Carolina Panthers. That's your number one receiver and your number one running back. Mm-hmm. Now you have L.D. Brown who is expected to be the number one running back for this team. But Desmond Jackson is also a pretty good running back. So they're going to still be able to gain a lot of grounds, uh, gain a lot of yards on the ground. And the the targets are okay for Oklahoma State. I mean, they're not going to be putting up 50 points. And the problem is that their defense can't stop you. Mm-hmm. That That's where my issue with Oklahoma State lies. Mm-hmm. And I just look at the schedule and go, you know, you struggled with Tulsa last year. I'm not saying it's the same team. None of those things. Right. You go to Boise State. That won't be fun. Kansas State's not going to be fun. Mm -hmm. At Texas. At Iowa State. At West Virginia. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of losses on the schedule. I look at Oklahoma State. Their their future is at 7.5. I'll go aggressively under. Aggressively under. I don't see how they get past seven. You have four games that you're no doubt going to lose. Mm-hmm. Best you're going to be is eight and four. Mm-hmm. And this is a team that notoriously loses a game it's not supposed to. Yeah, I could see them losing or winning a lot of one-score games. I don't see them winning many of them. But <laughs> I see them being in a lot of them. I think they're going to be in pretty much every game they play. Except for Oklahoma, Iowa State. You just believe in this team more than I, I do. Am. I do. I, do. I, 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 fe- I fell in love with Mike Gundy when everybody else did. Look, Mike Gundy, <laughs> one of the best mullets in college football. No doubt. I totally understand why no you like doubt. Mike Gundy. I'm a man. I'm 40. He's Same a man. Guy, still He's 40-something He's now. 50 now. I think that was 10 years ago. Woof. <laughs> I didn't like that at all. It made me feel real old. Yeah, it did. But no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not as. I'm not far off on you on Kansas State, and I think Oklahoma State's going to be a fine football team this year. They're not going to be great, but they're fine. Now let's get something to chew on. Caleb Peak up next. Something to chew on. Brought to you by Ingles. It's twenty-five, twenty-three, and a pair of twenty-two-year-olds. As NFL Nation's Rich Samini pointed out so vividly on Twitter Tuesday morning, it is truly a new era in the AFC East. I'm Caleb Peak. This is Chew on That, brought to you by Ingalls Markets. Low prices, love the savings. And those, of course, are the ages of all your starting quarterbacks in what's arguably the most interesting division in the National Football League. In this modern age of football, it's a young man's game. But who could have foreseen that only three seasons into what's been an extraordinary career so far, Josh Allen would be the senior quarterback of the East 
At the end of the day, the NFL is a multi-billion dollar business. And there's one word that most accurately sums up how a multi-billion dollar business operates. Cutthroat. Cam Newton just got a full-length, tuition-free crash course on what that word really means. According to ESPN staff writer Mike Reese, Bill Belichick had been adamant throughout camp and preseason play that the starting job in New England was Cam's to lose. But he would have to, quote-unquote, reestablish that position or someone would have to play better than him, end quote. Now, Supercam is on the outside looking in as a rookie quarterback will officially take over as chief proprietor of the Patriot Way. But how did this happen? Not only the sacking of Newton by New England, which was interesting enough, but how about the Detroit Lions choosing to eat $2 million by kicking Brashad Perriman to the curb? What about the Carolina Panthers waving bye-bye to kicker Joey Sly in favor of a relatively untested youngster in Ryan Santoso? It turns out that none of these decisions were that surprising at all. The writing was on the wall the whole time. This may be difficult to do, but walk with me for just a moment. Forget Super Bowl rings. Forget Hall of Fame careers. Forget major product endorsements and ridiculous post-game outfits. Before a player can have any of that, he first has to make an NFL roster. He's got to be one of the 53 suiting up on the first Sunday in September. And in order to do that... There are three skills, three attributes that a player has to have. Number one being leadership, which seems so obvious on the surface until you look at which players actually possess such a trait. Bill Belichick told the media following Cam's release that his COVID-19 vaccination status had absolutely nothing to do with his departure from Foxborough. While that may be true, it's utterly foolish to think that COVID risks aren't weighing heavily on the minds of every single employee within the NFL. If your team can't go due to a COVID outbreak, guess what? Not only must you forfeit the game, but you won't receive your check for the game you didn't play. And if you are traced back to being the reason for the outbreak, especially if you caught the virus by doing something stupid, well, you're messing with people's money. The first rule of life, don't mess with somebody's money. That's not to say that what Cam Newton did last week was stupid, but it wasn't great, especially from a PR perspective. When Cam left Patriots training camp to attend an out-of-town, team-approved doctor's appointment, he technically didn't break any team rules. Even Belichick himself confirmed that. What he did do, however, is break NFL COVID prevention protocol, which led to Newton missing three valuable days of practice and ultimately opening the door for Mac Jones to take reps at QB1 to earn the trust in respect of his new teammates and to take the starting job away from the 2015 NFL MVP. The Patriots said it was a misunderstanding, quote-unquote, on Cam's part that he just didn't understand what he was allowed to do. On one hand, Cam Newton is a human being and therefore is doomed to make mistakes. On the other hand, Cam Newton was a team captain. He was your presumed starter in New England, and he was set to make up to $14 million on a mostly incentive-based contract. By not setting the example that a leader should set, i.e. not knowing the rules, he no longer has a chance to earn any of those incentives. It's like committing a federal crime and expecting to be pardoned by your local county sheriff. Things just don't work that way. Unfortunately for Cam, the long-suffering and forgiveness that followed him in Carolina is no longer there in the Great White North. Number two on this list is a fundamental ability to make plays. 
for Brashad Perriman, the future was in his hands this preseason. And then it was on the ground being whistled incomplete. It should have been enough of a wake-up call for Perriman that he was even playing in week three of the preseason against Indianapolis. He should have known that it was time to play ball. Instead, he dropped it. Multiple times, actually, which isn't really anything remarkable considering Perriman's career so far. At 27 years old and already a five-team journeyman, Perryman is lucky to get yet another shot in the league, this time with Andy Dalton slash Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. He's also beyond lucky to cash in his $2 million guaranteed dollars, courtesy of the Detroit front office who just got burned by a bad bet. While that $2 million is plenty to live on for a while, how much more could Perriman have been worth by now had he just learned to be a wide receiver? And quickly, number three, performance in the clutch, especially for a place kicker. Like Carolina head coach Matt Rule told ESPN's David Newton, when you struggle at kicking, unfortunately, it's magnified. The kicking job in Carolina was Joey Sly's to lose. After all, he had taken the job away from Graham Gano in Panthers camp last summer, which led to Gano reuniting with Dave Gettleman in New York. But as a kicker, your reputation precedes you. It's what have you done for me lately? And if your answer is anything but make field goals, you probably aren't going to have a job for very long. 2020 stats be damned. Over the course of this preseason, Sly missed a 63-yarder, which is a little easier to stomach. Then he missed a 37-yarder. Before all that, he missed an extra point. That's a whole lot of points left on the field for a portion of the schedule where the points don't even matter. And it costs Joey Sly his job as an NFL kicker. But if you believe in destiny, maybe it's just the stars aligning for new arrival Ryan Santoso. He was traded by the Giants this summer after losing his position battle to Graham Gano. The only problem with that theory is your lucky stars are only going to get you so far. I'm Caleb Peek. That's something to chew on. Real estate isn't about properties. It's about people. I'm Clarissa Marshall with eXp Realty, your native realtor serving all of Western North Carolina. I will work hard for you, and I believe in doing the right thing every time. I market each of my listings to reach out-of-town buyers. I use a professional photographer and drone video on every single listing, as well as collaborate with agents across the country to find your buyer. Check me out online at clarissasellswnc.com or give me a call at 828-774-6343. It would be my pleasure to assist you through the real estate process. You're in the sports tank. The ceiling is the roof. Let's make it happen. Let's keep moving forward. All right, moving forward with the Big 12 predictions for the 2021 football season. Um, TCU. I think TCU is Jeremy's five. They're my six in the Big 12 this year. Uh, Max Dugan. Anytime you have a quarterback that's this good, you're going to be pretty good. The problem is there's not a lot around him. Right. He can do it with his legs. Max Dugan is the only thing to like for TCU, other than Travis Hodges Tomlinson. Ladanian Tomlinson's nephew. He's the next star corner to come out of that school. I'm just telling you. Woo. Woo. <laughs> Woo. Jeremy already said earlier in the show, cornerbacks don't matter anymore, so why are we even focusing on it? Uh, <laughs> at number six. So TCU's my six. They're your five. Who's your six? West Virginia. West Virginia. They're and, my seven. They're the only team in this conference that can play any form of defense. And I'm going to be honest with you, I might have them too low. Jared Doge is a... Decent enough quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's going to score points, and he's not going to beat you. Mm-hmm. They do have some playmakers. The defense is ferocious, especially by Big Twelve standards. 
Oh, yeah. By Big 12 standards, it's the 85 Bears. Mm-hmm. Darius Stills, defensive tackle, now in the NFL. His brother's still there, though. Darius Stills, and or Dante Stills, and he may be better than Darius was. May very well be. Uh, but uh, Doge is a, he's a he's a keep it simple stupid quarterback. He just don't just take care of the ball. Don't do anything to get us in trouble, and we're going to be okay. Um, then next, you have the bad. Yeah, then you have the bad teams. Uh, Texas Tech to me is the best of the bad. They're my eight. There's not a lot to like there. Mm-hmm. I think they have a lame duck coach. Wells was without a doubt. Matt Wells was without a doubt under pressure this offseason. If it doesn't get better, which I don't think it's going to, Mike, that's it. Mike, Mike, Mike Wells, Matt Wells, Matt Wells. Okay. If, Tyler Shuck's in town, though. The transfer that's from the Oregon. One thing that might save them. Mm-hmm. If I'm wrong on a team in this conference, it's Texas Tech. I think. Yeah. Because Tyler Shuck is good enough, especially in this funky, sunny, cumby offense, mm-hmm. that they might be able to put up a litany of points. The problem is just not be able to stop anybody. Yep. Uh, Baylor is next to last for me. Which is just unfortunate because I, I want them to be better than they are. They're not. Last year they were 118th in the nation in total offense. This year they've got a new quarterback that's going to be taking over, Jerry Bohannon. Yeah, they were 118th with a quarterback that was one of the was one of the players in college football that has started the most games. Mm-hmm. Now he's the starter at Utah and Charlie Brewer. I think Dave Aranda's been taking some pointers from Scott Drew when it comes to working the uh, working the transfer portal. They got a lot of transfers on this team. Uh, to me, none of them are bigger than the guy that uh, that came from LSU to Baylor following Dave Aranda. Six four, three hundred and fifty pound Siaki Ika. Could be the next big name that you know in Big 12 football. And then there's Kansas. Lance Leipold comes in from Buffalo to try to make it, make this team a winner. Again, much like Texas. Charlie Weiss couldn't do it. Les Miles couldn't do it. Uh, it's been 12 years since they won more than three games in a season. I'm just going to tell you, Lance Leipold has won everywhere that he's ever been. Their futures are one and a half. Yep, They're going to win their first game. They just have to sneak up and beat somebody. I might have a doubloon or two on over one and a half for Kansas. <laughs> oh, by the way, it's only like uh, four days until their opener, and they don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Doesn't matter. That's all. Lance Leipold's done that forever. That's not that big of a concern. They'll beat South Dakota. They'll win another game at some point and cover that one and a half. All right, the sportsocracy tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. in the Wicked Weed studio. Join us there back here tomorrow at 3.